0: Hello waffle lovers and welcome to another episode of whatever flips your waffle here on 365sportscast.com I'm your host Mark Domeyer coming to you as always from the bunker deep in the heart of southern Minnesota and there's plenty to talk about this week in Minnesota sports I'm glad you've decided to tune in, and listen to us sit here, talk a little bit about some Minnesota sports Welcome to those of you who come in every week for the Waffle Flipper, and welcome to those of you checking things out for the first time. We're going to start this week pontificating a bit on the demise of the Minnesota Timberwolves. I'll tell you what, there's probably never been a two-versus-seven-seeded series in any sport where you walk away from it and say the best team was the seventh seed and didn't win. It seems odd. The, the Wolves should have won this series blowing big leads three times, three times double-digit leads in the fourth quarter, and you can't close things out and win, especially when a game is on your home court. It's really difficult. And here to me, when you look at the at the Wolves in the off season and say, well, what do you need to improve on? Maybe you're going to go out there and look for a free agent who could make a difference. Um, how's that going to work? It comes down to this. You have to be able to get a rebound every now and then. You have to keep the other team off the offensive boards. Uh, one of the games, there was one player from Memphis who had seven offensive rebounds in the fourth quarter alone. There should be nobody who has, who has seven offensive rebounds in a game against you, much less in one quarter. Learn how to get position. Learn how to box out. These are the things you teach young people when playing basketball. I always remember that John Schultz, coach of back-to-back state champion girls basketball teams at NRHEG, used to preach rebounding, and when he coached his daughter's teams uh, in elementary basketball, even, they never kept track of who scored, how many points, anything like that. They had one sheet of paper, and it said rebounds, us, them. Out-rebound the other team. You win. It's pretty simple. Uh, Between that and some of the hero actions, like I'm going to jack up a uh, 25-foot three-pointer or something, Um, from Carl Anthony Towns, stuff like that. Run your offense. It seems like this team just wasn't quite ready to understand what it takes to win in the playoffs, and hopefully this is a learning experience. Memphis was in the same place last year, uh, lost some games they should have won, didn't make it out of that round. So maybe the Wolves will be on course for that. I think you know Chris Finch and his coaching staff extended on their contracts, certainly deserve that. And the players really seem to buy into a lot of things that they say, but I'm sorry, in crunch time, you have to get control of your team, and your team has to listen to the coach, and and that's how you win in the NBA. Um, you don't go off and do your own thing. That doesn't work at any level of basketball on a regular basis. Um, it seems like you know free agents like Prince and some of these other guys want to stay, talk about staying. You have a really good core here. Again, round it out. Figure out what you can do. Is there even one player who can come in, like I say, rebound and make some things happen? And this Timberwolves team could be pretty exciting to watch. I have a feeling that based on the off season and what happens, they're going to be highly regarded coming into next year. And we talked – couple months ago on this show, the idea that, hey, you're making the playoffs. It doesn't happen often here in Minnesota. But now next year, you have to take that next step. You don't want to be in the play-in tournament. You want to be in a position where not only are you not in there, but you have the home court advantage. You want to be one of the top four seeds in the Western Conference. Not easy to do, but if you continue to develop, And learn from the mistakes of this year. A lot of things exciting could happen for the Timberwolves. So they'll be off our radar for a little bit uh, until the NBA playoffs are over and we'll start looking at the draft and free agency and all of that fun stuff. But speaking of drafts, there's a pretty big one this past week. And after this little break, we're gonna be back with my interview for the week. This week I talked to Troy Ramage of at Vikings Daily. You can find that on Twitter. A lot of good stuff there. And we're gonna recap the NFL Draft, and what the Vikings did. Stick around. There's enough bad news in the world. Where can you turn for some good news? The NRHEG Star Eagle, of course. Your area newspaper, the Star Eagle, focuses on the events and people that make our area a great place to live. The NRHEG Star Eagle, your good news newspaper. To subscribe or advertise, contact Eli at 507 507- 463 8112 or steagle at hickorytech.net. The Star Eagle is currently hiring for all positions. Again, contact Eli, 507-463-8112, or email steagle at hickorytech.net. And as an added bonus, if you subscribe to the Star Eagle, you get to read the Waffle Flippers column every single week. Joining the program this week here at 365sportscast.com, Troy Ramage. He runs a Twitter account at Vikings Daily. You should check that out. A lot of really good information there. He's got a lot of, as he puts it, credible info on the Minnesota Vikings. And Troy, you're even followed by the great Carl Eller, which which is awesome. Welcome, yeah,
1: was...
0: yeah, welcome was... to the show.
1: Yeah, thank you, Mark. Uh... That was a big one for me. I, I'm uh, I'm an old timer, so I remember watching them play. Um, and uh, no, that that was Bud Grant, uh, Fran Tarkenton, uh, Chuck Foreman. A lot of the ones I grew up with also follow us on Vikings Daily, and it was. Uh, I don't know if they talk to each other or why, but it's <laughs> kind of interesting. I just it's. Uh, so I, no, I, I've been a big fan of
0: them and uh, going back Alan Page, Paul Krause, that who aren't following yet if they listen, right? Go <laughs> we can ahead. Hope we'll expand your fan base even a little bit more And, uh, there you go. and yeah, you know when you have those, those heroes of the teams you, um, that you follow start to follow you and pay attention, that's, that's an, an awesome thing.
1: It is. It yeah. Is. Just uh, so I got to watch the language. I don't want to lose anyone. <laughs> but we, we do that anyway. It's uh, what we try to be. Just to explain the Vikings Daily site. Um, other than training camp, we don't have a lot of original content. You might get some slants of our particular views, but uh, as far as essay long form, other than training camp. I don't, because uh, we're fans, and I think we'd come across that way. And the second is, unless you're in the room interviewing these people, which, other than training camp, I'm not, um, you can only report on what you think and what you're seeing other people say anyway. So we're kind of, for lack of a better comparison, like the Drudge uh, news site, where we Every day there's something in there. So if you kind of want to see what's going on with the Vikings today, we're telling you what someone said. Now, we're maybe reading 50 things for every one we post because we don't want to blow up people's phones. But that's that's what we do. There's some days there's one thing on that, but there's at least one thing every day. During the draft, we went nuts because we were there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But normally it's not like that.
0: And that's, you know, I, I, as I trolled through Twitter and, and things, and I, I keep trying to find more and more um, great people to follow on there, and, and when I ran across your, your site and everything, and, and, and the whole draft idea, um, I could see a lot of knowledge there, and you were at the draft party at U.S. Bank. What's that like to be among all these, probably, super fans there?
1: Yeah, different. Uh, normally, I watch it with all my notes. And I'm crossing people off and I'm uh, making all my adjustments and all my draft magazines, all my printouts, a couple of laptops. And now I'm just, you feel kind of naked because you're in the room <laughs> and they're not really, oddly enough, following the draft real close until it gets to be the Vikings pick. So, um, it, but I liked it, it was kind of freeing. Because uh, before, if someone walked in the room, it was throwing off my rhythm, Okay. And now I was just sitting there watching. So it's kind of fun to, don't want to say take the day off, but it, it was a different experience and I definitely recommend it to people.
0: Okay. And the great Paul Allen kind of hosts that, is that how that works up there? He sort of MCs everything?
1: Yes. Uh, uh, PA on the mic, as they say on Twitter. Right. Uh, he was there with Paul Charchian, and uh, they were uh, probably the two main ones, but they were joined by Ben Lieber, and uh, uh, Pete Bursich also shared the stage with them. So, a lot of knowledge sitting there, and they had uh, some people visit, but it was pretty much the four of them.
0: Okay. Yeah, I mean, K-Fan, boy, if you want to you know, turn on the radio and And listen to Vikings stuff. uh, Tuning into PA certainly seems uh, to be the best place to get a lot of good stuff there. I agree. Yeah, in season or out of season doesn't matter. So
1: uh, my tone. There are other ones that follow, and some just have a negative slant. Uh, No matter what happens, if you win, it wasn't by enough, and that kind of. (laughs) he, He tends to be. Not tends to be. He's a cheerleader. Yep. Yes, I I tend to look at... I think if you're a fan of a team, if you're negative all the time, you need another team. Right. You know, They're going to be bad years. I was there for Les Steckles' year, and (laughs) I I still watched every game that year. It's it's a fan of the team. I'm wondering, okay, what rookies do we have next year to work around? Because I think they're going to blow this thing up. and You just watch it different. But if it makes you sad or whatever watching... Uh, do something
0: else. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and PA duckies and bunnies, as uh, the common man calls them. Uh, but yeah, he 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 tends to stay there. Yeah,
1: so, I'm a big fan of common also.
0: Yeah. So, how much positivity was there then, uh, both from your perspective and perhaps the people around you, when all of a sudden the Vikings trade the number twelve overall pick to the Detroit Lions of all teams? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, I tweet, Mark, I tweeted out right after it happened, I tweeted out, I'm glad the draft party was held at US Bank Stadium if it was in the Metrodome the roof would have collapsed because <laughs> <laughs> like all the air got sucked out of the room, I don't know how to explain it other than that but I think the bulk of people, if you're picking 12, you maybe got 14, 15 names that you're ready with and uh you're seeing all of the uh three of them at least still there and uh you're excited you've waited since the end of the year for something to happen yeah it was it was it was kind of a downtime. we had uh we were front row of the section where the seating started outside of the vip section and uh they just wheeled the big drum next to us they're getting ready to start the school chant to lead into the pick and then uh, <laughs> they announced the trade to Detroit <laughs> and, uh, I took a picture of a bunch of people leaving after that it didn't empty <laughs> but it's 500 people 10 percent probably uh, but who knows they could have had babysitters had to get home they were counting on leaving after the pick anyway
0: right I
1: don't know if they're now Detroit fans or whatever <laughs> <but> they left. <laughs>
0: Well, and so I admit to being pretty startled by that too, and including a, a trade to Green Bay as well. This is well, you know, this is a new regime. I can't imagine previous regimes even thinking about trading within the division.
1: <laughs> yeah, you really sent a message. Uh, his first two trades were to division rivals. You know, a little later on, it's in your notes, but I, I'm sure uh, first trade we traded back. Uh, Detroit picks a wide receiver that a lot of the fans around me were hoping it was him. And uh, our next trade later on to Green Bay, and they pick a receiver that the remaining fans. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there are people calling for him at 12. Like, boy, it's too early to take him at 12, but we can grab him by the end. And uh, uh, NDSU alum uh, Christian Watson yeah. was a they ended up with so here we gave uh, uh Aaron Rodgers the weapon that he wanted. But uh, I don't know if you saw Kwesi was asked obviously on it, and his answer was they got to play us too. I don't worry about what they're gonna do, uh, whatever they're gonna do with the pick, that's their choice. What he looked at when we traded back from 12 to 32 was. Uh, What are we getting in return for that? Would I rather have that or a pick at 12? And he said, we got to do what's best for us, and they got to do what they think is right. We'll see. Time will tell who was right on that one.
0: Well, and I saw he said, you know, like with the Lions, if they didn't trade with us, they were probably going to trade with somebody else around the Vikings pick or shortly thereafter. They were going to, you know, get after... Uh, A quality player one way or the other He said we might as well have their picks then
1: That's exactly right And I think A lot of people, you know, they're saying Where's the analytics? This guy, uh, you know, Kwesi came in He's uh, uh, Princeton Educated in economics And he went to Stanford And got his uh, master's there Uh, And he's the big Analytic guy from San Francisco Over to Cleveland first general manager to come in with an analytics background and they were like what are the analytics? What happened to the Rich Hill or Jimmy Johnson trade chart? And uh, I'll tell you I think I figured out, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know his algorithm of course because unless you're in the room you wouldn't know how he ranks what players but my guess is it has absolutely Zero to do with the draft chart. It would have to do with how do you rank a player? And where is the drop off? Like if your fifth player is way better on your board than your sixth player, you know, maybe you draft up if one of those top five starts slipping. But if your sixth through 30th player are roughly equivalent, you don't care if you're picking 12 or 30. Do you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: right, right. And
1: and it's and only time will tell. Like uh, the twenty twelve draft, uh, there was uh, two safeties taken, and the first one went at uh, seventh, and his name's Mark Barron. Now a trivia question. <laughs> uh, the second one taken was Harrison Smith at 29th. And I found an old article on it. Uh, the Vikings needed a safety. They could have taken Mark Barron. They had multiple picks in the first. They they used, I think, I think they went Khalil with the fourth pick, something like that. They traded out of the third spot with Cleveland, went back to fourth, took Khalil. And then later in the round got Smith. It was like, they could have had Mark Barron.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. And, and then, yeah.
1: Time will tell. Once you put a name on it, it makes it different. And right now, we don't know the names. It's learning how to pronounce them, what are they like. Uh, the coaches know, and they could be wrong. Uh, the team that picked seventh and Mark barron I'm sure if they could go back and redo it, they take the Hall of Famer 20 spots back. They trade back, take a Hall of Famer, pick up some picks. And we'll see if that's what happened this year or if we goofed.
0: Well, and and you know, I was thinking as I was watching all this unfold. You and I had had a conversation last week. We um, talked about like value-based picks and positions and everything, like what what the more valuable positions are. And, and at the time, you had told me you thought the Vikings might look to possibly take a receiver, which seems odd to some Vikings fans. But also yeah. looking at what is a valuable position and and the cost of a rookie contract and what they contribute. And how all that works maybe talk about that a little bit for the listeners
1: yeah i as i told you if i had to guess i'm glad we didn't record it <laughs> i didn't even post i had done all kinds of mock drafts i never posted one of them because i kind of don't care on mine or other people's i i really care who the vikings are going to pick i don't know who cares who i think they're going to pick but when quasi came in he said value and valuable almost more times than anything else when he talked on analytics. So I didn't know what he was gonna value. Like if I went to you and if you're saving something of value to you, are you running in, grabbing a big screen TV? Are you grabbing your photo album? What what do you value? You know, right? It's, yep. You see people in a panic valuing wrong things sometimes. And I thought he would go where the money was. I thought value would equate to dollar amount, which I thought there's a chance at 12 as he looking? look in. Uh, the reason for wide receiver, uh, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill got traded this year. Uh, Tyreek signed a $30 million contract, which is the second most expensive other than quarterback it is now the most expensive annual pay it went to a wide receiver Devontae Adams also signed a large one so the five top wide receivers are second only to the five top quarterbacks in pay so I thought value would go that way the other way value could go is you can value experience you can value work ethic uh, you can value maturity there's all kinds of things to value, and I don't know how he built his list. But you know, being around, uh, I know your son is uh, in sports, and you've been around it your life. Yep. And you know, you can value the wrong things. There were so many people valued Johnny Menzel coming out, right. to trade up, get him. Uh, you know, do you value a strong arm? Do you value a quick mind? I mean, Tom Brady. Uh, was not a didn't look good in shorts couldn't run a 40 you know what do you value and it's it's odd but i think we got a little bit more of a clue we'll have even more of one after the second and third draft on what he values but i did see a pattern here mark that was interesting okay um i I gotta go deeper diving i've been driving yeah i had the time to do some of what I'd normally do but our first pick uh, which, which you get to but I'll, I'll come back to some of the players as you want but he played all 14 games as a freshman uh, second pick uh, Andrew Booth played 13 games as a freshman uh, third pick red shirt freshman played all 14 games when you work down the list uh, the gopher uh, at their uh uh, what is it Osese uh,
0: yeah Otan uh, uh, yeah see I'm learning how to pronounce them too Otan Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll
1: go with yours yeah uh, okay thir- 13 games as a freshman uh, next pick played as a true freshman next pick uh, also played as a true freshman so that's something that they maybe value it's, it's hard to tell uh, where they place their emphasis but it was quite a coincidence that when you're at Georgia, I'll go back to the first pick, Lewisine. Uh, when you go to one of the top teams in the nation and you play all 14 games as a freshman, that's saying something. Right. Usually, you don't see the field. Yeah. And so these are and another commonality. Uh, first pick georgia our second one clemson lsu oklahoma we didn't reach for some small school ones that i had done some deep dives on there's a linebacker out of montana that i liked there you know the ndsu receiver uh you know malik willis everyone watched fall down the draft board at liberty you know how much do you value being from a top club some may say it does i don't care if he can run faster or jump higher others are like oh we get to see him against other nfl type players yeah and that's i don't know how they valued things going into it so i just went to money as a value um but they want safety cornerback guard linebacker as their first four picks uh cornerbacks the only one that Market value is real high. Guards are cheaper than tackles. Linebackers are about the cheapest thing you can get. Um, Top five safeties don't make much compared to quarterback, wide receiver, defensive end. So now I know a little bit more when he says value and valuable what he's looking for.
0: Well, that's an interesting look at these guys who are playing early at successful programs. I love that take on it because, yeah, they're, you know, you can be. Malik Willis at Liberty, and who are you playing? You can put up good numbers, but if you're playing at Georgia and Clemson and LSU, you know, like playing in the SEC and playing playing in the Big Ten and places like yes. that, yeah, that's that's the best of the best all the time.
1: I agree. And maybe jumping ahead to Lewis in their first pick when yeah. they trade back, they could have had uh, Mark Barron. This year, they could have had the top 50 in the draft. Got taken ahead of them. Hamilton from Notre Dame, which I liked. Hamilton ran a much slower 40. I think he was 4'7 at the combine. Uh, Lewis Seen, who we drafted, four three seven. He missed 11 tackles in three years. He missed 11 tackles playing against the competition, you know, that high level. He hit penalty. One penalty all last year. I mean, we have cornerbacks that get that in the first quarter.
0: (laughs) I was going to say, even even Harrison Smith tends to get his one or two a game uh, back there.
1: Exactly. He led the team. He had nine pass breakups that led the team. He had more pass breakups than the cornerbacks. He led the team in tackles, 73 tackles. This is arguably the best college defense that's ever been assembled. There were five of them taken in the first round and they were all defense and he led the team and he was the quarterback of the team when you're lining up you're wondering where to go you look back at him he's pointing yep. uh, so he was all scholastic in high school uh, he, you know he interned at uh, Morgan Stanley He's. Uh, but if you're the top tackler on the top Defense ever, and you were the quarterback of the defense. They maybe had him ranked higher than than Hamilton, and he's faster, right? I don't know. You can't teach fast, no. And he's apparently very smart. You can teach him everything
0: else. Well, they they might need his speed to keep up with the new receivers for the Lions and the Packers. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, and and you know, the the first talks out of the Vikings and and head coach Kevin O'Connell and these guys, they think they can put Seen and Harrison Smith and, um, why am I blanking, uh, Bynum all in the field at the same time.
1: I hadn't heard that. I was wondering what they're going to do with Bynum. Boy, that's, see, Bynum, when he was drafted, uh, we took him in the fourth round, He's like the 100 move. I don't know, I think 125th pick. But he was drafted as a cornerback, or he had played cornerback. If you check on the 2021 draft, they had him down as a cornerback. We used him as a safety, but we're weak at cornerback. We maybe gained a safety and a cornerback here.
0: Could be, yep, yep. Well, and and I think Ed Donatel will do some creative things defensively, too. And, and, um, hey, if you can get your best players all on the field at the same time, and they can play different positions, then you go for it.
1: Oh, definitely. That's I hadn't heard that. That's exciting.
0: Yeah, yeah, that I think that was read that in the Star Tribune um, in the Sunday paper, something like that. It was it was um, it made me feel a lot better uh, yeah. you know about that about that pick. Um, so round two, two, um, two picks. Andrew Booth, yeah. the linebacker out of Clemson, Ed Ingram, an offensive lineman out of LSU, because We need to have at least one LSU guy in every draft. Um, (laughs) Which, you know, hey, that helps promote camaraderie, too. These guys know each other, you know. um, They'll be welcome, stuff like that. But uh, linebacker, this is kind of a, as we switch defenses now, um, and you start to wonder who's going to be around for long, I I thought that was a pretty good pick there um, at the start of round two.
1: I love it. Uh, Andrew Booth uh, going into the draft. If you check uh, NFL.com on their predictions, Bucky Brooks had Andrew Booth going to the Vikings at, at pick 12. Oh, okay. So, and Bucky Brooks is one I tend to follow a bit. Not that he's right on where they're going to go but you kind of get an idea how high he values people he didn't go at 12 obviously we got him at at 42 but if you can get Lewis Seen and Andrew Booth uh, with the two picks instead of Hamilton um, Kyle Hamilton at at, at safety time will tell again but we've got them both Um, that's that, that trade looks better when you look at it that way. Right. Uh, it's hard. That's the part that's also hard to say. Like uh, ESPN uh, Tannenbaum uh, projected at 12, we'd take uh, Trayvon uh, Walker, who went first overall. Right.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> you know, so on the Ridge Hill draft chart, first overall is 1,000 points. When you drop down to second, it's worth seven seventeen. So if you go by the trade chart, Trayvon Walker is what is that, two hundred and eighty three points better than Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah. Now, if you're most people following most I mean, I think Aiden Hutchinson was pretty much the consensus best overall. Now I don't know how his how Kwesi's algorithm works, but uh, when Trayvon goes if they had him valued like uh, Tannenbaum did as the 12th pick if they had Trayvon Walker as a 12th overall value that'd be 347 you're putting them at that's what the Vikings th- pick 12 is worth 347 okay pick, worth a thousand so if Trayvon would have gone 12 he's worth 347 well they took him at one yeah so not and that's a Big drop to Aiden now. Aiden's almost affordable, you know, for for some people to move up and get him. Except you can't. Detroit ran the pick up because he's from Michigan. Oh and yeah. They knew, yeah. They they ended up with the first overall pick in the second position, more than likely. Right. But again, time will tell. If Trayvon goes on and is a world beater, and Hutchinson's a trivia question. But it's I think his algorithm. It has to do with the signing points to how they see the player and has
0: nothing to do with where you pick in the draft. Right. So we got we got Ed Ingram as an offense lineman. Later on, in back in round six, uh, Viderian Lowe as an offense lineman out of Illinois. Just kind of patching some things together here, looking at potential starters?
1: Yeah, I think so. I... I uh... I don't know if it's right away uh I'm still hoping Wyatt Davis who's our third overall one of our third overall picks last year we had uh I think four third round picks Kellen Mond uh Chaz uh Sherrod Wyatt Davis and Patrick Jump I think we're all in the third round last year but uh who knows? I'm still hoping Wyatt Davis develops into something. He, he was on the outs with the last uh, uh, the last head coach, so we'll see. But um, I think I, they're they're both solid. They, uh, like I said, on Ingram, he started 12 games as a freshman. He, he played right guard and left guard, so he's got some position flexibility. And Lowe, uh, he's. Another one, he he was uh, we t- How a guy like this is available in the sixth round, uh, Vidarian Lowe. Uh, he was a starting left tackle since he was a freshman. How do you start at left tackle as a freshman? I'm picturing an 18 year old. Right. I mean, for Illinois, and he, he set the Illinois record, the all time record, he had 52 career starts. So it's not like there's a little bit of tape Even with COVID, he got fifty-two starts in there. Wow! Uh, He's married. Yeah, he has two kids. He's the one. uh, He's the legal guardian of his fourteen-year-old brother. When his parents passed, he became the legal guardian. So again, maturity. It's trying to figure out what is evaluating people.
0: Right? Yeah. Yeah. We're here with uh, Troy Ramage here on Whatever Flips Your Waffle this week. He's got Vikings Daily. You can check that out on Twitter. A lot of good Viking stuff here. We're, we're kind of working our way through the draft back and forth, not always going in order, because that's not always how things work. Um, uh, other, you know, round three, Brian, Azamoa. again, I'm guessing at some names, round four, a Caleb Evans. Uh-huh. You know, impressions of these guys, you know, we need a cornerback. Evans fits that mold. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Brian's interesting. Uh, similar to Louis C in the first pick Seen uh, was from Haiti Brian was from Ghana uh, just uh, he, uh, Brian led the team in tackles as a sophomore and junior uh, came out then but it's to be uh, they not only played but they they played at a high level he's, he's going to be a good fit for the 3-4 they're going to be running uh, 6-1 226 or I'm sorry, six feet. The main knock on him is his height. Uh, his other measurables: uh, uh, speed, strength. All those are good, but it's a little bit like John Randall, where he had to fake his weight to make the team.
0: Right, right yep.
1: Uh, way back, he they told him don't even bother showing up if you're under 250, and he was 246, and he had to wear he wore chains under his uh, sweats when he <laughs> weighed in, and uh, I'm glad he did.
0: Yeah, I say, if these guys, if anybody turns out like John Randall, as far as, you know, legacy, we'd be okay with that.
1: Yeah, I don't know how you measure hard, but he had it. Yeah. And, uh, the uh, one of, of, of the two, I'm really excited to see a Caleb Evans, uh Kwesi, a few days before the draft, said there's, someone asked him, do you have a sleeper in here that you're really hoping for? And he said, everyone does. And he said, I, I definitely do. There's one that kept him up at night, hoping he's there and it was one of our trade-ups and that was a caleb we traded up in the fourth round to get him and uh, it'll be interesting to see what he saw in him uh, I, I haven't done a deep dive on a caleb yet but yeah. uh, i'm excited for him a cornerback and uh, so to get booth and then to turn around a couple picks later and get another cornerback um That does a lot of attention to the back end of the defense with uh, uh, Sean Booth, and Evans.
0: And that's where the Vikings clearly needed the most help. Their defense has been atrocious the last two years and you had to address that in the draft.
1: Completely agree, and like you said, if you're if you're letting your division rivals take top wide receivers, you need all the help you can get back
0: here. <laughs> right. Uh, the Vikings also drafted some skill position players. Um, you know Ty Chandler, the running back from North Carolina, Jalen Naylor, the wide receiver from Michigan State, and Nick Muse, a tight end from South Carolina. You know these could be flyers. They could be hey. They, they can push other guys, or it can be. In five years, we're saying, "Wow, that was a brilliant pick late in the draft."
1: Yeah, that's. uh, I haven't had uh, a big chance to go through them yet the way I want. But uh, Chandler, uh, he talked running back, uh, also played as a as a freshman, true freshman. Uh, He has kick return ability. He led the team uh, all three years in rushing, Um, six yard average the last year. Uh, He can catch. Uh, had 14 yards on average uh, receiving, but not a, not a big sample size. I think he only had 15 catches in 13 games, but uh, can be something out of the backfield. Um, uh, Muse also played as a true freshman, 14-yard uh, average, started all 13 games at the end. Um, it, it's it's hard to say uh uh, uh Mew's six foot five 250 pounds uh 249 but he came back and gained 10 pounds in the offseason he's 259 now um i have no idea how they how they value uh what they're looking for there and there's a maybe you said it but uh, Naylor. uh what is it jaylen nailer yep. in the sixth round um interesting guy um, Nice measurables. Uh, 38 inch vertical. Um, uh, okay. That's easy. Uh, 17 yard average as a wide receiver. So. Uh,
0: and again, in the in the Big Ten, you know, a, a 17 right. yard average in the Big Ten. That that's you know a, a pretty big um, yes. measure too. So, yeah. Did you feel Troy anywhere along the way? You know, the it's not a great quarterback class and they started falling, that maybe the Vikings should have taken a chance at grabbing one of these quarterbacks, a so picket a Malik Willis, and say, hey, we could mold them for a few years, or not worth it? it, it,
1: it well, I don't know. Let me, let me measure it. I, I guess I, I knew if they did, it would, to some extent, I don't want to say be an indictment, but if they would have grabbed someone, you're kind of saying... He didn't think a lot of Kellen Mott, which the last group also didn't. But uh, there were some. Going back last year, we took Kellen Mott third round. Never saw the field. Uh, Coach Zimmer was pretty infamous in in, uh, hinting at his distaste for him. Uh, Chris Sims, who I respect as a quarterback quarterback, guru Uh, this could be one of his misses but the year uh, everyone was talking Trubisky he uh, he went for this little known quarterback Patrick Mahomes he thought (laughs) would be a better quarterback (laughs) the league didn't he went he was the third quarterback taken Uh, but uh, Chris Sims was right Mond uh, he had second in last year's draft he he had ranked very high so, if they have something, if they, I know uh, they don't. They didn't get to see him practice last year, but I know the year before, both uh, Coach O'Connell and uh, uh, GM Quasi, uh Mensa uh, was. They were in a position to do research on Mon. So they have their own evaluation of them, and I don't know what they think of them. But they need to have something as a hedge, uh, first Kirk's very expensive. Uh, not necessarily for how good he is. I think he's very good, but it's it's a lot uh, if you have nothing behind him, you don't have anything as negotiating when you're going to the table again next year. Right. So hopefully I thought they'd draft someone just for that, if nothing else.
0: Well and I when they didn't my thought was, you know, hey we we wanna we wanna feel out Kellen Mond, we want to see what you have, and if they see the same thing that the previous coaching staff did and don't have much uh, hope for him, then I would imagine next year, quarterback would have to be a little bit of a priority at some point. You have to develop somebody for when Kirk Cousins is no longer your quarterback.
1: Exactly right. And this year was notably, going into the year, that- some of these players get some steam as the year goes on because quarterbacks are the face, so you got to put attention on them. Hard to get people excited to watch the draft when you're talking about a long snapper or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a quarterback. But next year is as weak as this year was in quarterbacks, next year is supposed to be exceptionally strong. So. We'll we'll see. You never know who gets injured or who has a bad uh, senior year, that kind of thing. Of course. Next year is supposed to be quarterback deep. This was supposed to be a drought, which it turned out kind of was. I think Pickens was the only one taking the top two rounds. Um, Or did Ritter? Uh, I remember Ritter went there or not. Yeah. The uh, Kenny Pickens went to Pittsburgh and – Boy, it depends what you read on him. I read his, his uh, average time, how long it took to make a throw was like 3.2 seconds. They try to get you to about 2.8 something in the NFL. Right. And his average completion was among the lower. So not only was it taking him longer than average to make a pass, overall he's throwing underneath. So is like, and he should have had a higher... Uh, he had a good percentage, but when you have that long, he should have had a higher completion percent. So, who knows? Yep. All, they, all that really made the press was his hand size, but there's so many metrics that go into this, and and uh, apparently the knock on the leak was, the offense was too simple. It was a one read and run if it's not there. okay. I don't know if that's true or not, but if it is, that's, uh, that's why that's uh, probably part of the reason he
0: went where he went. Right. Well, let's wrap up with this, Troy, when we just kind of first impressions, the the free agent signings offseason, the draft, what kind of a grade do you give this front office right now, just off the top of your head without really knowing how these guys are going to develop?
1: First I'm a homer, so I probably grade pretty high, so I'm not going to do it. I'm going to probably give the same grade that I'd give every year if i could go back and grade i'd I'd have to say almost after every draft you got to go incomplete uh uh, because i've seen so many grades i saw the harrison smith grade was a low grade mark Barron was a high grade and i'd have to say it's incomplete and it will be incomplete next year i don't think we can grade this year even next year because let me go to last year we had christian Cam them were our starters there. Uh, smith Marsett got some playing time. But largely that's what we saw. We still have Kellen Mond. We don't know. Wyatt Davis is a guard. Uh, Patrick Jones, defensive end. Uh, we don't know how they're going to pan out. Uh, Jalen Twyman taken towards the end, defensive tackle. They're saying this could be his year. Now if that happens, I think after two years you can kind of create a draft. This year,
0: I'm really lost on it. I don't know what to say. there. Mark, what would you? Well, I, <laughs> I'm a Homer too, and I, and I'm a teacher, so I know all about grading. And I, I'm feeling really good right now. Uh, <clears throat> it took me a little while to recover from the shock of the trades, but if I take the 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 signings, you know, like re-signing Patrick Peterson and. And Jordan Hicks and stuff like that, and I mix it with this, and and some excitement over the new coaches. I'm I'm at a solid B right now. Um, I, I'm willing to I'm willing to change my grade with extra credit in the future. <laughs> you know? but but uh, I, I'm I'm optimistic, and and I really believe the Vikings are a playoff team this year if people start to slot in and fill out the way the Vikings think they should.
1: Interesting. I like that. So. Yeah. It's- I heard uh, uh, and I like that I, I like that way of looking at it I one other thing that could happen uh, Monday I'm not sure when this this airs if it airs then Wednesday ends
0: Wednesday night Wednesday night little air so yeah.
1: Wednesday night uh, last Monday around noon um, the uh, any free agents that are still unsigned do not count against compensatory picks oh
0: that's right still
1: big names out there like uh, 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 I'm drawing a blank on the center. Treader,
0: okay, uh, yep.
1: Treader, uh, there's some players that could still be signed, but if we sign them tonight, they count against uh compensatory picks next year. If you lose a top player, but you signed a top player, counts against you after Monday. I think at noon, we can sign people like that, and uh, that's. There could be some more free agent signings after you see what didn't we get in uh, the draft that we still need some help on. Right, so that'll be interesting to watch. I hope your grade is right. I'll go with that. (laughs) Yeah, you you grade for a living. I I go back and argue why my grade was low when I was in school. Okay.
0: (laughs) Well, Troy, I'm so glad you joined us this week. We'll uh, we'll have to touch base again when we get toward training camp and toward the season and kind of see how things are panning out. But I sure appreciate you joining us this week here on the program.
1: Thank you very much.
0: And now it's time for the state of Minnesota sports. We'll start with the Wild in their playoff run here, losing the first game at home against the St. Louis Blues. And again, the trend continues. And you knew that Coach Evason was going to be questioned if they lost. Basically, why did you start the goalie you started? And he went with the veteran in Fleury to start the game. Wild lose 4 nothing. I don't think you can place all the blame on the goalie. The defense just wasn't there. Some penalties and everything else. But the Wild and Blues are getting to be like the Twins and the Yankees. They just can't seem to get over that hump and beat them. Now, one can't imagine the wild as talented as they are getting swept in a four, you know, four in a row here in this best of seven series, but they're going to have to regain some composure as one of the better teams in the league. They have to be able to get over that. They've lost home ice advantage now, but we'll see as you are listening to the program, they're getting ready to lace up for game two. And it's in every other, um, every other night series here in the NHL. So hopefully, We'll have something more positive to talk about next week and not that the Wild are on their way to the offseason just like the Timberwolves. The Twins, on the other hand, are continuing a solid run of baseball here. They got through a a pretty tough beginning of the season and they face a May that is so plush with teams that they should be able to beat and handle. I had uh, Wyatt Grosskreutz, who was on the program last week, stopped by and said he thinks the twins can win 20 games in the month of May as a minimum. That's something to be said. But you look at the fact that you know they have won like 10 out of 11 and I'm recording Tuesday night so they'll they're playing the Baltimore Orioles, uh you know, sweep Detroit, win two out of 3 in Tampa Bay and even the the loss in Tampa Bay where Dylan Bundy gets rocked for four runs in the first inning, just, they were all over everything he threw, and he talked afterwards about some of the th- adjustments he has to make, because teams are figuring out his strategy, and that's a sign of a good pitcher, i got to make some changes. But the thing about Bundy's start is, even after getting rocked, he still went six innings, saved the bullpen, you know, they weren't going to win the game, they, they lost pretty handily, but... You didn't need to use up all these arms in the bullpen, and that came into play in some closer games on Saturday and Sunday. You know, to the point where Sunday you could use a Cole Sands coming out of the bullpen for his Major League debut. He gets hit around a little bit, gives up a couple of runs, and it didn't matter because the Twins also are swinging hot bats at the right time. That first inning against the Rays on Sunday, they just, they were all over Josh Fleming and hitting the ball all over the field. That's what you like to see. On the other hand, they come back like on Monday night against Baltimore, can't get a whole lot of hits. I think they had seven hits for their two runs. But they get hits where it counts and when they need it. And I think the confidence of the Twins coaching staff right now is that these pitchers are doing so well, by and large. You're going to have those you know, bumps in the road. You're going to have a Dylan Bundy. Uh, bad start. You're going to have a Joe Ryan bad start at some point in time. All these guys are going to do that, but their ERA is among the best in the league for their starting pitchers. The bullpen is you know, settling into some roles here. Griffin Jacks is pitching a lot better, and I heard him on the radio after the win in Baltimore the other night. All of a sudden, he's thrust into a crucial role coming into the bullpen in a one-run game, and he's got a lot of confidence, and he's figuring out ways to pitch and again, Baltimore is not a great team, but these are still big league ball players, and they're there for a reason. Duran came in for his first ever save on Monday. A lot of firsts for the Twins this week, and Duran gave us um, you know, a, a pretty experience-free ninth inning, you can put it. you didn't have to worry. Nobody got on base. Ten pitches, I think he was done. You look at things like that, hey, maybe here's a guy who can fit into a role like that. Um, You know, Josh Winder got a chance to start his first ever game. He'd pitch some, and and that was probably the best thing in the world is he was able to have some experience, learn how to pitch a little bit, and then be put into a game. And it doesn't hurt when your team puts up five runs before you ever set foot on the mound. But he had some electric stuff out there. Boy, the future just seems bright. You can deal with a Sonny Gray being injured, a Bailey Ober being injured. You can deal with those things and you've got these other guys ready to step up. Again, it's not going to be every single game. It's funny because then we have a game where they don't win or you know get knocked around a little bit. You're thinking, "What's going on?" But again, as we've talked about in previous weeks, 162 game season, take it every 10 games or so and see what how you're doing. And right now the Twins are in first place in the AL Central and at the moment it doesn't look like anybody else even matches up with them. And again, they've got they, they're playing Baltimore now. Four-game series, you should win three out of four. Then you come home and play Oakland. Oakland has sold the farm. You should be able to go and beat up on an Oakland A's, especially at home. They've got a lot of teams like this um, in the month of May, and they have to make hay while the sun shines because June is a little more difficult. Uh, Playing the Yankees, playing the Rays again, they're going to be uh, better probably by that point in time. But still, a lot of positives for for the Twins. And it's exciting to be in Twins territory. Even something like Miguel Sano, a lot of people rip on him. I'm one of them. I don't think he's a great ball player. He's hurt, and you you hope the best. You don't want anybody to be hurt. But Luis Arise has stepped in to play first base and done just fine. Uh, The other infielders have to adjust. He's not that tall. But, boy, a lot of great things. I can't wait to get to target field at some point this summer and watch this team, and it's exciting uh, to be able to see them have some success and hope that that can continue So it's exciting all summer long. And that's the state of Minnesota sports. And now it's time for this week in Minnesota sports history. On May 4th in 1975, the Twins retired their first ever franchise number, Harmon Killebrew's number three. Killebrew was playing for the Royals at the time and then went and hit a home run against his old team. On May 4th in 1982, Jim Eisenreich of the Twins removed himself from a game due to taunts from Red Sox fans because of his Tourette syndrome, a very unfortunate event and one we would hope would not happen anymore today. In 1984 on May 4th, the Oakland A's Dave Kingman hit a pop fly that got stuck in the Metrodome roof and didn't come down. They ruled it a ground rule double, and the next day, Uh, One of the workers climbed up there, found it, let it drop, and then Mickey Hatcher dropped the fly ball. In 1999, on May 4th, the Twins franchise got win number 3,000 as they beat the Yankees 8-5 at the Metrodome. The number of times they've beaten the Yankees since then have not inched them any closer to 4,000. On May 7th, in 2004, the Twins announced they were moving all their games on TV from Victory Sports 1 to Fox Sports Net North. Remember Victory Sports 1? It lasted all of a month that season. Very few people had it on their um, cable networks and everything else because it cost too much money. Boy, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? On May 7th in 2008, Carlos Gomez, go-go, hit for the cycle for the Twins in a 13-1 to win against the Chicago White Sox. On May 7th in 2010, was the first ever rainout at Target Field, although the game against the Orioles was made up the very next day. On May 8th in 1968, Catfish Hunter pitched a perfect game against the Twins as the Oakland A's won 4-0. And in 1984, Kirby Puckett made his debut with the Twins on May 8th and had four singles. The Twins beat the Angels 5-0. On May 10th, in 1991, the Minnesota North Stars beat the Edmonton Oilers four games to one to advance to the Stanley Cup. They would, of course, lose that, but they made it. And that's, uh, wow, that's over 30 years ago now. In 2000, on May 10th, the Twins earned their biggest come-from-behind victory in franchise history after being down 8-1 to to the Indians at the Metrodome. They were down 9-7 to in the bottom of the ninth, and then... Uh, scored a run with uh, Matt Lawton. And then Midray Cummings, remember him, hit a two-run home run for the victory. This week, for you local listeners in the Richland, Heartland, Ellendale, Geneva Sports, on May 5th, golf is at home out at Riverview Golf Course. The track team will be at home as well for their low and home meet of the year. And softball is home against Kenyan Wanamengo, while the baseball team will travel to Kenyon. May 6th, baseball is home versus JWP. Softball is at Caswell Field in Mankato. There's a big tournament up there in Invite. Uh, They will play Glencoe Silver Lake and Sox Center on May 6th. And then May 7th, they go back over to Caswell and play St. Cloud Cathedral. So some good competition there if you want to watch some good softball. On May 9th, softball is at Maple River and baseball is home against Maple River. And then May 10th, softball is up in Wasika. Of course, these are all subject to change. Perhaps Mother Nature will be kind and generous and allow our teams to play. Well, that'll do it for another Helping of Waffles here at 365sportscast.com. I'm glad you chose to spend an hour with us and hope you'll continue to tune in each week right here at 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Central. Remember, jot it down if you can't catch the original broadcast. Each week's episode will replay Thursday's at 10, Friday's at 7, Saturday's at 10, Monday's at 8, and Tuesday's at 10, all Eastern Standard Time shows also archive to YouTube. Search up Whatever Flips Your Waffle. You can check out any of our previous episodes as well. Remember, if you have thoughts about the show, if you think that you would like to be interviewed, email me, waffleflipper22 at gmail.com, or message me on Twitter at MrD1973. Next week, it'll be right back into the world of Minnesota sports. Will the Twins still be in first place? Will the Vikings have made any other moves between last week's draft, and this week? Will the Wild be eyeing a second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs? And how will the Minnesota Lynx have begun their season? Come on back and find out. I'll have another special guest to delve into all that and more. Thank you for joining me. This is Mark Domeyer signing off with Sir.